there, everyone. Welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast. Here we discuss just about everything that comes into play when you're a Christian homeschooling family. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and today I'm talking with Michelle Dunham about getting your children to engage during reading aloud time. Michelle's going to give us some great insights and tips that will help us not only make our children more interested in what we're reading, well, and that we're reading at all, but will also help them build skills that will make their reading more enjoyable and beneficial for them for the rest of their lives. This is absolutely a podcast you can't afford to miss. Before we dive into today's podcast, though, I want to invite you to make a point to join us at a Teach Them Diligently event this year or in Teach Them Diligently 365 all year long. TTD events and resources have been used by the Lord to impact countless homeschool families just like yours by encouraging their hearts, refocusing their minds, and helping them find the joy and order in what God has called them to do. It is a joy to get together with thousands of others who are making decisions that put the hearts and minds of their family first. Please make your plans to join us for a live event this season. We'll have three-day events in Round Rock, Texas or Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, as we celebrate faith, family, and homeschooling in ways that are unlike any you've ever experienced. Get more details, including a list of speakers and resources that can be found there by visiting teachthemdiligently.net. I cannot wait to see you there. In the meantime, though, let's dive right into my conversation with Michelle Dunn. Welcome back to the Homeschooling Families podcast. I am very excited to welcome Michelle Dunham with us today. Michelle is with Ruby Reads, and she's going to talk to us a lot about practical ideas for that read aloud time, especially with our younger children. We all know that it's important, and we may talk a little bit about why just to kind of set the stage, but I've heard from so many of you that are just like, how do I do this with these littles running around and their attention span is like 26 seconds and how do I keep them engaged and not have it that read aloud time that everybody talks about as being so important it's so wonderful and the the memories and we you know we just glow about it but practically in the trenches what does that look like and how do we make that happen so Michelle and I are going to talk about that quite a bit today so Michelle welcome to the homeschooling families podcast thank you thanks for having me You are so welcome. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your background before we dive into this conversation about read-alouds? Absolutely. So I started my sort of adult life as an elementary school teacher. I taught third grade and I taught first grade. And actually that's sort of the genesis of some of our products later on in life. But then I went on to get my master's in learning theory. So what do we learn? And my um, thesis is actually in metacognition. So thinking about how we process our thoughts and how how we regulate our problem solving and our thinking activities, which is always really fascinating to me. And then my PhD is in educational measurement. So thinking, again, I always think about how are people thinking? So in Mm. my case, I think about um, how they think about test questions and 
So I'm always thinking about how are we processing what we're doing and um, with my kids, that's always my one of my favorite parts as a teacher and now as a mom, thinking through how are they thinking about this and how does that inform how I communicate with them and how I explain concepts. Because, you know, when we're teaching, we're always readjusting based on what we're hearing from them. And so when we get them talking about how they understand, then one, I just think that's fascinating because yes. everyone is so different. So that's like my own personal hobby, but I think <laughs> as a teacher, then it helps us be better because we're not just reading from the same script for everyone. Each one of our kids is so different and how they understand anything from day to day is so different from even mm -hmm. how we think they're going to, right? So I think that's, it's fascinating and it's always a source of joy and um, kind of entertainment, right? They're so- Oh, absolutely. To listen to them talk about things. And so I think that's a huge gift and I think it helps us be better teachers. No question. And as a as a homeschool teacher in particular, we are super keyed in to each individual child because they're our own and we don't have as many as a you know a classroom teacher would have at any given time. And so we are we are way more keyed in on an individual level because we're mom. We want to know what makes them tick and and how to best teach to that bent. Um, so yes, I think I think a lot of us geek out about you know all the ways that we see those light bulbs come on and knowing we have we've gone down a path that's really really good for them as individuals. That's a that's a great gift and one of the most fun things about being a homeschool teacher. Absolutely, I think it's I mean it's just one of my favorite things in the whole world. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love your enthusiasm for it. It's really, it's, it's exciting. I mean, because I think we all like to talk about the things that really gets us pumped. So this is this topic of, you know, just engaging our children in learning is something that gets us pumped, but it's also a little bit overwhelming. I think for those of us who are insecure about our knowledge level and our expertise and stuff like that. So um, that's why I love having having people like you on the podcast so that you can share with us from a, a more academic, from a more practical, just really nuts and bolts standpoint, what it looks like to take this thing that we love to do and actually make it super, super relevant and super helpful for our kids. Um, so that's what I really wanted to ask you about today is, you know, I, we all know, I think in, in both inherently, but also we talk about it a lot, that reading aloud with our kids is a really big deal. It's, and, and maybe from a, from a, you know, a professional standpoint, you can tell us what are some of the things just as review, maybe for some or, or new information for others, what are some of the reasons why we should be reading aloud, especially with our younger kids? Um, what do they gain from that? So we know that it's a huge um, benefit to kids that can listen and understand even above what they're able to read independently. So I think you're able to talk about concepts and story structures. You have an opportunity to think about those together. So it's collaborative and um, you, you're introducing vocabulary and all sorts of elements. And you're able to scaffold that naturally because you're there with them. It's part of the experience to be together. Hmm. So they're not off on their own, perhaps um, misunderstanding or thinking about things in ways that you wouldn't 
um, they wouldn't be ideal for them. So that read aloud experience is really a teachable moment as well as all of the other benefits that it offers for us. Well, how about fluency for our kids? Does it, does it actually, you know, I've heard from, from others, but I don't know if this is, you know, like a, a clinically proven thing, or if this is something that's more anecdotal, but does our read aloud time with our young children, those that are developing actually help with their fluency in reading? Or is that just kind of a, a something that we like to toss around as, as something that, you know, kind of makes us feel like we're doing more than we are? So when you say fluency, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about that. One would be, um, is it helping them read, like when they read to themselves, are they more accurate, that kind of thing. And I would say the bigger benefit is that it produces and um, um, it models for them fluency in oral reading, for example. So expression and phrasing and paying attention to punctuation. It's all of those things. I know when I listen to my kids as they become better and better readers, it's funny because I, I listen to them and I think, oh, that sounds like me. And then I think, <laughs> Oh, of course it does, right? Like, There's a reason the for that. <laughs> doing the most reading to them and they are reading out loud themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think, and that's an anecdote, not research, but I think whenever we're modeling for our kids, we're teaching them something, right? So that's part of it. Yeah. So, um, so oral reading fluency, I think is, is really impacted um, when we consistently read with our kids and we model that, right? So right. it's possible to read with our kids and not model what we want them to hear. And that's probably a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but I really enjoy, I've actually been listening to some podcasts on like speaking quality and I've been able to apply a lot of that to even improve, I, I mean, I think I'm a pretty good read alouder already. Um, but as I think through like, what makes a good speaker and what do we wanna to listen to and how do we pay attention to phrasing and um, breathing and how do we emphasize words that are important um, hmm. just by how we say them. Um, so a lot of that, uh, if people are interested in like, in improving their own personal read aloud quality or performance, if you will, I think that's a really good resources to think about um, what do public speakers think about? Um, yeah. Because it's really a skill and so is reading. And the other thing I do a lot is listen to um, books like audiobooks. So, but listen with an analytical mind. So not just what is this story about, but how is this, um, how is this narrator different from other narrators? Pick ones that you really like and think about what they're doing mm -hmm. and then think about um, how you are incorporating that in your own read alouds because ev like everything else, it's a skill and we can get better. Um, and so I, I mean, that's sort of a little bit off topic, but I do think when we're modeling, we wanna make, I've heard people read aloud and it's great to read aloud no matter what, but when you read aloud, you want to be presenting them the absolute best example for that, right? Absolutely. And so if you want them to have expression and excitement and enthusiasm, you bring that and you have a huge impact on them. And I think um, it's wonderful to see that come back to you then. 
Oh, absolutely. And and just again, as kind of a side note for homeschool families, I, I want to remind everyone that it's very good to have your child read aloud, even though they're not in a, you know, a classroom setting with a reading group and this, that and the other where they have a lot of those opportunities. You need to make sure that you're giving them that opportunity because they need to hear you model it like she was saying, but then you they need to get the confidence of being able to read it out loud. It's a whole different skill set than reading silently. It really it it's a very different thing or way to approach the page so uh, just definitely give them those opportunities absolutely i agree and there's tons of fun ways to do that i think in some circles and that may not be true um for everyone but i know coming up through um education training some folks are really sensitive about making kids read aloud and that they're going to worry that they'll be embarrassed or that they'll stumble over things. And so I think that's part of our job is to build a culture within our home where um, it's not a threatening thing. And mm. you're obviously you're always thinking like your your mom brain is assessing constantly, but you don't have to make them feel like it's an assessment constantly. Right. So exactly when they're reading to you, you're thinking about how they're doing and kind of taking mental note. But the job is not to pick it apart every time. It's to have fun. It's to read together. So like at my house, um, one kid gets to read the first page of each chapter each night when we're reading. So um, it's a privilege. It's not they're being put on the spot. And, um, you know, what are people going to what is my brother going to think? Are they going to think I can't read this? Instead, it's um, this is my job tonight. I'm the first page reader or we'll do a picture book. And my kids are older. They're not reading picture books per se. But um, I mean, they are. <laughs> we always read picture books. So and we'll pick books where um, there's a dialogue between characters and everyone plays a role. So mm. it's no one thinks um, mom's listening to me read. And at the end of this, I'm going to get some feedback about how I'm reading. They're right. thinking I get to be this character tonight. This is an awesome voice that I get to put in here. Or I'm, you know, this is my favorite part to read. And so we switch it up. So there are lots of ways that we can be listening for them and thinking about, um, are they decoding well? Are they fluent? Do they have expression? Are they paying, to paying attention to punctuation? There's so many things that we're thinking, hmm. but we're not putting that on them. We're just right. listening. And then you're thinking, okay, this is what I'm hearing right now. I'm just going to make a mental note. Later on, we're going to come back and talk about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, to all of those families that are out there, they have younger children and they're thinking, you know, what, how on earth am I supposed to keep this? you know, these three kids that none of them are actually solid, solid readers yet. You know, you don't have them where they're super mature. Um, how do you keep them engaged in read aloud time? I know you were, you were talking about some of the different techniques for that, that I think would be super helpful to these moms who are truly wanting to incorporate this, um, but kind of wondering how, what's it going to look like? Absolutely. And that's one of the most common sort of read aloud problems that I hear about is that we know that it's so beneficial and we want to have this magic time with our kids, but it's not always instantly magic. A lot of times kids mm -hmm. have trouble paying attention and there are a lot of sort of suggestions for how to get kids to sit quietly and pay attention during read aloud. 
And a lot of them have to do with keeping their hands busy and giving them silly putty or um, crayons or, you know, Legos. And that can be really helpful. But what I've really found is I want to do something that engages them in the story. So they're not just tuned out and sort of listening passively, but that what they're doing as an activity during read aloud has to do with helping them understand the story better. Mm. Because I think one of the reasons why, and it's not the only reason, but one of the main reasons why kids kind of tune out during read aloud is they don't really understand um, or they're having trouble following the story structure. And if you think about yourself, if you've ever listened to an audiobook, like uh, a lot of audio, a lot of adult literature that we're listening to isn't super cognitively demanding for us. But if you would take something that has a really involved plot structure and then put it on like 1.5 speed for you, you would be like, I mean, I have done it just to try it. And I like, I, I always listen to an audio book before bed. I fall asleep faster. I'm huh. not as engaged. There are things that I'm not listening to and I sort of tune out and kids are the same way. And I also think, let's remind ourselves that in any sort of learning situation where we want kids to really learn and understand material, we sort of commonly acknowledge and research has shown in many, many, many ways, I'm going to cite all the studies, that it's better to have multiple inputs to hmm. give them something to look at and something to listen to and something to do if you can to really load them up. Um, because we know that there are different, different ways of learning, but we also know that multiple inputs are better. And I think wow. we know that when we present a science or a math, we would never just lecture to them about math. You give them something to see, something to do. Um, but then it comes to read aloud, which still has a cognitive structure and cognitive load for them. But we just expect them to listen and not have anything else to do or see. And for some kids that works out fine. And for other kids, it doesn't. And it's yeah. really difficult. And and even kids who don't have identified learning differences still can benefit from having something in place that kind of gives them a boost on the story structure or gives them a target um, to aim for. Like, here's what I'm really listening for. Mm. So, um, so there's just a lot of different, and I won't say a lot is probably an overstatement because I don't want to overcomplicate it, right? So right. we have about five or six different methods that we incorporate in our posters, but also just within any reading experience that are really easy to do, but will help your kids engage and understand more and, and be quiet and listen. But really, I don't just want them to be quiet and listen, right? And neither do you. You want your kids to understand and be engaged in that story and be able to take that discussion to the next level because they're thinking through it and they're understanding the story structure or the characters or whatever it is that you want to emphasize. Yeah, absolutely. So for example, yes. um, go ahead. No, 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 no. So for example. <laughs> um, so one of the really simple things that we do, instead of just having them draw a picture, we do what we call character portraits. So now they're listening for specific attributes of the character's appearance. And then we also do a frame 
Um, this is our poster for the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street. And one of the things we incorporate is um, character portraits. Um, it's helpful because there are five characters in this family and in some, sometimes it's difficult to keep them all straight. Like who, which of the twins is really into music and which one has straight hair versus curly hair. So if you're just listening to that and you're trying to keep it straight, that can be, it's just a distraction. Mm -hmm. So instead we have them actually clue in, um, draw pictures in our spots and then we make a frame around each one. This is incorporated into the, as an illustration of the setting of the book, but you don't have to do that. You can have, just make some frames and um, we write character traits in the frame around or like- in Oh, the neat. Frame, so that you're not just thinking about what is the um, the physical, what are the physical attributes of each character, but that's fun too, right? So that they're keeping them straight, they're listening for details, they're translating that into their drawing, but then they're also thinking through which one is like really involved in reading, which one really loves music. And so there's space for that to be um, around here, which one is really quiet and introverted, which mm -hmm. one is really um, crafty. So um, you're, you can incorporate character traits and physical description and it helps them keep all of the characters straight. So you do have to think about what is the nature of the book and what, um, what do you want to emphasize? Yeah. So in a, port, in a poster, we have a lot of different things going on, but I would say it's enough for you if you don't have a poster to just pick one thing that you really want to emphasize. So we do character portraits and this is sequencing. So they're, and they're sort of summarizing what happens each day of the story. So you could just do that. You could just do a timeline and set it up ahead of time so that you know there are specific blocks they're filling in. Um, we do a timeline on a rolled out paper. Mm -hmm. We also do a timeline with a literal clothesline and type typing paper and just um, clip them up. So if you have a time structure, you can go through um, and those are discrete periods of time you're also incorporating without really thinking about it, summarization, right? You can't illustrate or write out everything that happens on that day, but you're periodically stopping within the action of the book to think about, and in this case, because you're, you likely have more than one child you're reading to, they're collaborating, they're discussing it together, and they're thinking about what is the most important thing that happened in that day or that mm. period of time and then they're making an illustration or you can write it down. So that's a lot of skills all in together. And oh. you can choose what it is you're focusing on. So if that's something that you're thinking about in your regular curriculum outside of your read aloud, if you're working on character traits, then you choose to do you know, the character portrait activity. Or if you're thinking about um, timelining and sequencing in your social studies curriculum, then you, think about doing one another thing like we've got everything on a poster but i would say as a parent without a poster there's lots you can do to incorporate that without a, without that and so you could just use your own resources
Oh, absolutely. And for those of you who are listening via the podcast, this video is also up on YouTube. So uh, if you want to see the illustrations of what uh, Michelle is actually talking about, she has a poster behind her that she's pointing to. It would give you some great ideas. Um, and then I'll also link to where to get those actual posters because they're amazing as well. Um, but I wanted to ask, as you're going through all of this, how much of this is happening in real time while like the the actual doing of the work while you're reading or how much of it is they're just listening with that in mind and then after the read aloud is done they're actually putting what they were listening for onto paper so i think it depends on which activity you're choosing um so for us when we're doing character portraits we've thought about that ahead of time we've talked about okay, we're gonna be listening for this. Mm -hmm. And then they're actually doing it in real time. Um, okay. with, the, with the summary or the timeline, it's actually delayed a little bit. So they're thinking about it and <clears throat> at the end, so we'll stop and say, okay, that's the end of that day. Or even within the chapters, we're thinking, okay, then, then they know that's coming, right? So again, just like anything that you do with them, this isn't a one and done. So I always, you're going to repeat this over and over, and that doesn't make it boring. It makes it better right. because they're learning more about it. So it's less about the activity and more about tuning into the content because they know what's coming. And in fact, just to sort of dive into that a little bit more, um, I, I gave you a link. And so mm -hmm. I think your listeners will have a podcast link um, that is sort of a cheat sheet of all of the meth the five basic methods that we use or suggest that you can use and we talk about example books but i also talk about a picture book that goes with that with each one of those and i would say for anybody no matter how old your kids are i would start it with the picture book mm -hmm. because you want to teach that and and it's a quicker way so you're not investing a whole read aloud chapter book that's weeks of your time right. um, into learning a new method where they're still like, oh, what do I do here? Um, but if you have a picture book, that's, you know, that's fairly quick. So you can teach it using a picture book, they can implement it. And then when you use it for a book later on, it's easy to say, okay, so we're going to make um, we're going to make a map of this story action. It's going to look like the map that we made for Harry the Dirty Dog, but we're going to use the whole time that we're reading uh, the Phantom Tollbooth to make a map of the whole story. Hmm. So then they have that experience to draw on, but you didn't have to spend your entire time reading your chapter book teaching them how to do it. You've already right. had that experience that you can draw on together. Well, and one of the things that as, as you were talking, I, I find so amazing is everything that you just said that they're extracting from these, um, these novels and such that they're reading aloud while they're young are exactly the same kind of things that are expected of them to know how to do when they get to high school literature. Um, you know, my character profiles and, and pulling out and extracting all of this individual data so that they can then write papers or essays or whatever it is that they're having to do in their high school literature classes. So you are preparing them so well for upper level literature without saying, okay, now we're going to prepare for upper level literature. Um, and I find that, I find that just 
fascinating and amazing. And, um, you know, I've told so many parents that they just have to trust the process that, you know, all of these things come together. And this is a perfect example of how stuff that you do while they're young is really, truly preparing them for that scary, scary high school time when everyone's so intimidated. And yet they are already, we're preparing them when they're young for it. And we're preparing ourselves too, because we're being more keyed into that stuff. Yes. I mean, and again, I think number one, the benefit of doing this is you're doing it together. It's mm -hmm. not intimidating. You're using um, your natural multiple abilities, you know, so you have kids that are more advanced talking with your younger kids about vocabulary and the story structure. But there's so many times that you'll see your younger kids are the ones that will key into details that you want the older ones to notice, right? And these are things that good readers are doing all of the time naturally, not just so they can succeed at upper level literature, but um, even upper level, level literature classes, the reason you're doing that is because it's an important skill to right. be able to do. It's not just to succeed in that. And so I think it's the same thing. Like when we do this in a read aloud setting with them, they're doing all of the thinking that we want them to do. And if they're not, we're modeling it for them, right? So that's still that part of that teaching process. But I think we spend so much time sometimes worried about if our kids are ever going to do this, hmm. that we forget that so much rides on helping them love it yes. and do it naturally because this helps them understand. And it's not a test and it's not an assignment and they're not getting like evaluated on it, um, but you're just showing them how these things naturally come up as you're reading. And then eventually, yes, we want them to internalize it and do it independently. But if you're doing that all along, how much more simple and painless is it than if it's, um, and now we're going to teach you how to analyze a character yep. or whatever. They've been doing that. So it's natural thinking. Exactly. I think that's, it's, it's really exciting. Um, to, to hear you break it out like that. Uh, we are almost out of time, but I had one more question that I, I would imagine that someone's asking in their heads out there. How old do the kids have to be to participate in something like this? Like what ages does this kind of an idea work with? So I would say it works with whoever you're reading the book to, right? So, um, and the other thing is on my on my like cheat sheet that, that your listeners can download, I talk about, I would start with character portraits because I think that's the simplest idea and requires the least structure and the least preparation on your part. And then um, we didn't talk about it, but we move into character mapping. And um, as texts get more complicated, um, we use those character portraits, then we diagram relationships between the characters and that helps them track them. But that's a natural progression as the text that we're reading to them get more complicated. So I would say start with what book are you reading to them? When they're younger, you're going to read something that's less complicated and will require, um, you know, different and less complicated skills, but you can still sequence. Um, we do a, a chap, we do, um, sorry, a reload poster for Charlotte's Web, which is probably one of the ones I would start with. And there's still a timeline and it breaks it out into seasons, um, but they also draw pictures of the characters based on where they should be in the farmyard, listening to 
the description. So I would say be driven by the book that you want to read to them that's appropriate for their level. And then if you're reading it to them, they can probably handle the um, sort of adjunct tasks, if you want to call it that. I would say the activities is probably better that you're going to ask them to do. It will naturally adjust to the difficulty of the book. All right. That sounds great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Um, I will put all of these links. I'll link to the cheat sheet that you noted and the lists and stuff like that. But, but if they can hear it from you, where can they connect with you and find out more about all that Ruby Reads has to offer? Absolutely. So our website is rubyreadsbooks.com. And then on Instagram and Facebook, we're at, at rubyreadsbooks. Um, and then feel free to email me with questions or any anything at hello um, Ruby Reads. That's all one word. Hello Ruby Reads at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. I had a great time. I'm always fascinated talking about how how kids learn, how we can help them do it better. Um, and just hearing all that goes on behind the scenes is really, really exciting. So it's been a great time, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. And everybody else, I so appreciate your spending your time with us today. I hope that you have gotten a lot of ideas and you're even more excited to go out and read with your kiddos and then talk about the books, talk about the characters, talk about what happened. Have a great time as you are all growing in your understanding together. So have a great rest of your day and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.